turn to. Out of curiosity, were any of you uh, around in 1920 when they built the church? Roger, you? <laughs> Charlie? Charlie was? <laughs> Roger and Charlie. Um, you know, we, we read from that history, and if, and I say this in all sincerity. If anybody, you're looking for a project, I've said this for a number of years now, I think it would be wise for our faith family to take on a project of documenting our uh, past. I think that ended in, uh, that history ends in, what, Rose, what's the dates on that history? When does it stop? In 1962, so 38 and 17, y'all, y'all do the math. So that's almost 50. Oh, 1920. And so it really, I think it would be a beneficial task for our church to, to have our history documented and what the Father has done in our midst these past 50 years or so. All right, Proverbs chapter 3. Um, stand with me, and I want to read verses 1 through 6. Uh, yeah, let's do 1 through 6. Well, let's do 1 through 8. 1 through 8. What do I have up there? 1 through 8? All right, let's do one through eight. All right, Proverbs 3, starting in verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Now, here's the most famous verses in all of the book of Proverbs. Some of you have them memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. He will direct your steps. And be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord, turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Father, I ask for that which I cannot buy, Lord. I can't, for a million dollars, Lord, I couldn't buy. Lord, nobody can give it to me but you. Lord, that's your anointing on this message. Lord, I think it's timely. I think it's appropriate for this moment in time. Lord, I think it's exactly what you want us to hear today. So, Lord, open up our hearts and open up our minds we might be able to hear from heaven this day. May the words of my mouth, Father, may the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. May I be pleasing to you this day. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You guys go ahead and be seated. If I were to ask you this question today, all across this room, if I were to walk to you and, and get to know you, you know, personally and say, hey, What's the purpose of your life? In one or two sentences, can you really tell me the purpose of your life? Because I know without a shadow of a doubt that each and every one of you that are in this room, God has a plan and God has a purpose for your life. I know that because He loved you enough that He sent His Son to die on a cross for you, resurrected Him three days later, And He desires for each and every one of you to have a relationship with you. And here's here's what I know, without a shadow of a doubt. 
Here, here's what I know the purpose for your life is. You ready? You can write it down. It's the purpose for every single one of us. To walk faithfully with our God. Now, that, that's your purpose in life. That's your mission. To walk faithfully with your God. Now that's going to look different in each one of our contexts. Because God's called each and every one of us. He has gifted us in different areas. And so the way in which we walk faithfully with Him, that might look different for each and every one of us. But at the core, God is interested in each and every one of us walking faithfully with Him, using our gifts and our talents for His glory. Now last week we started a series in the book of Proverbs, and, and we're going to look the next uh, couple, uh, two more weeks after this at this idea of what wisdom is and what wisdom does for us. But let me remind you just one brief thing from last week. Last week, here's what we said. Wisdom is ultimately not a what, but a who. Uh, wisdom is ultimately Jesus himself. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24, that Christ is both the power of God and the wisdom of God. And so when we think about walking in wisdom, when we think about walking faithfully uh, with God, you cannot do that if you're not walking faithfully with your Savior, if you're not walking with Jesus. And the longer we walk with Jesus... What happens is that his wisdom is training us to look more and more like him. When I was in high school, I've, I've said this several times, when I was in high school, I played sports. It was my life. It's, it's what my, my world revolved around at that time. In the fall, I played football. When, we, when, we had, uh, when football season was in, Monday through Thursday, we had practice in preparation for the game on Friday night. When we were practicing offense, we ran the same plays over and over and over in practice against the defense, the style defense that we would be playing against on Friday night. You know why we ran the same plays over and over and over? Because it's an idea of repetition. The more you do it, the more you become familiar with what you're going to do and so that everybody would be on the same page. And we would run those over and over when we were on defense we would scrimmage against the same style offense that we would be playing that Friday night. And we would go over our assignments over and over and over. What happens if this guy lines up in this formation and, and if this guy is spread out here? You know, you would just you would practice this over and over and over so that you would know exactly what you would do in the game on Friday night. You know why we did all those things? Because we're wise. If we were foolish... We would have just showed up to the game on Friday night and strapped on our pads and got our rear ends handed to us because we had not prepared for the game on Friday night. In the same way, as you walk with Jesus, there are going to be practices. There's going to be um, things that you have to put into practice, disciplines, if you're going to really fulfill God's purpose in your life. Now, before I get into these practices, there's one this piece of advice I want to give you. The path of wisdom, and the and wisdom in, in the Proverbs, we'll really look at it next week. But wisdom in the Proverbs is not a door that you walk through, it's a path that you walk. A lot of times when we seek wisdom, we're saying, Lord, I, I've got three things to choose from. Should I do A, B, or C? And, and we're, Lord, I need your wisdom. Wisdom in the book of Proverbs isn't a decision you make, but it's a path you walk. Tim Keller Tim Keller said it this way. He said the path of wisdom is a steady, repeated process. 
It's like left, like you're marching in the army. Left, right, left, right, left, right. You're doing the same thing, wise decisions, over and over and over and over. And when you do, when you're faithful in the small things, when you're faithful in these disciplines, the depth of your relationship with God increases, and here's what happens. Now, now here's what happens when you walk faithfully and wisely with the Lord. You become a better spouse. You become a better husband and wife. You become a better parent. You become a better friend. You become a better worker. In other words, if you really want to become a better person, it begins with you walking wisely with Christ and letting the wisdom of Christ train you to become a better person. All right, so here's, the, here's three practices that I think you need to have in your life every single day. Number one, know God personally. Now, if you have your Bibles, look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. It, it begins with these words. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Now, these are words, now you don't read God there, but these are words that the reader would have understood to be referring to the attributes of God. In one of the most well-known passages in the Old Testament, God said in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. Now, this is God speaking. The Lord, the Lord, a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in, here's your words, steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgressions, and sin. Here's your first practice, knowing God personally, knowing His, his mercy, His love, His grace, His forgiveness, His steadfast love. October 2001. I entered, October 22nd, Lord, it's your birthday, mine too. I entered into a relationship with Christ. And on my honor before the Lord, before I knew Jesus as my Savior, I couldn't tell you a single purpose for my life. I had absolutely no direction for my life. If I were honest, I worked Monday through Friday to live for the weekend. I worked so I could party. I, I had no sense of, of purpose. I, I knew nothing of what I really wanted to do with my life. It was only when I surrendered my life to Jesus and experienced His love and His faithfulness and His mercy that my life began to take on a sense of purpose and a sense of direction. If you have never experienced the love and the mercy and the forgiveness of Christ, if you've never entered into a relationship with Christ, here's what you're doing. You're wandering through life. You might have goals, uh, you might be a good person, but you'll never live a life that outlives you. You'll never leave a godly legacy to a generation that becomes that comes behind you. If you really want to be the person that God wants you to be, it begins with you having a relationship with Jesus. And here's what Solomon is saying to his son. He's, he says in verse 1, my son is... And so he's saying something like this. Beat the love of God into your heart every single day. Remember every day of your life that God is faithful, that God will not forsake you. Remember that God is for you and that God loves you with every ounce of His being. You know, sometimes we look at the wisdom of God and we're praying about a certain decision we make and we think something like this. Man, if I, if I make this wrong decision, I'm going to be messed up for the rest of my life. We, we treat God as like this. God, if, if I don't hear from you and I, and I make a wrong decision, it's gonna be, it, it, I'm going to be ruined. 
We treat God as if he's up in the sky and he's like, oops, Evan, you went to the wrong school. You, you just messed up the next 10 years of your life because you didn't hear me directly. Hey, God is for us. God loves us. God wants us to walk faithfully with him and we have to know him correctly. We have to know him personally. So, well, how do we do that? Well, write it down. We get to know him in his word. Now look at verse 1. My son, my son, do not forget, here's what he said, my teaching. That word for teaching there is the the Hebrew word for Torah. It refers to the law. Now Solomon clearly has in mind Solomon's teaching, but it's not a stretch at all to apply it to the law that we we find in the first five books of the Old Testament. Why do I say know God personally? Why do I say get to know him in his word? Because there's a lot of confusion in our culture about who God is. Y'all heard about the movie The Shack that's out? Some of you have heard about the movie. Some of you are going to see it. Some of you have read the book. The book came out a few years ago. And what I'm about to say, I'm not condemning anybody who has read the book or goes see the movie. That's not my purpose. But here is my purpose. Some of you will draw your conclusions about who God is based upon that book or the movie, and that is not right. That, that movie is going to present you with a description of who God is But that movie should not describe who your God is. If you want to know who God is, you go to him in his word, and you let his word define for you who he is. And so if you want to go see the movie, that's fine. I'm not saying not to. In fact, I'll probably watch it when it comes out on DVD. Uh, You just don't want to go pay for it that much. Uh, But, um, man, y'all spend my arm and leg if y'all go to the movie. Y'all been to the movie lately? Uh, I mean, I don't go to the movie with my kids without dropping $50 easily. Um, that's not in the notes, this is free, all right? And so just don't let those things describe, determine for you who God is. I wrote this statement down, and here's what I said. You know, I said, you can write this down, and I'll sign my name to it. And here's the statement. You'll never walk in wisdom without consistently spending time with God in His Word. Write it down, and I'll sign it, I promise. You'll never become the wise person that God wants you to be if you do not consistently spend time with Him in His Word. You may be wise according to the world. You may have good morals. You may be a good person. But you'll never walk in the wisdom of God and experience what verse 2 calls the peace of God. And that's what it says. When when you have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ, when you know Him personally, when you're spending consistent time with Him, it says... that your length of days and years of life and peace, this is going to add to you. Last thing in this idea of knowing God personally. If we're going to know God personally, we need to balance the love of God and the fear of God. As we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. God is love, but he also says we need to fear him. You see it in verse 7. Don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Think about it this way. There's two scenarios. Cheryl House is making a decision. She's got to go to job A or job B. And she goes before the Lord. She says, Lord, I want to honor you with this, and, and I just uh, just give me wisdom about this decision. I believe it with all of my heart. Cheryl can choose job A or job B, and God's going to be with her, neither one. You know why? Because it's her heart that's seeking to honor the when you have a heart that you want to honor the Lord, I think God gives us freedom to make wise decisions. That's why he's given us a brain. 
But now you take somebody else, scenario two, and I'll pick on Rusty for this one. Rusty says, you know what? Should I do this, and this is going to honor the Lord, or should I do this, and I know within, without, with all of my heart that, that it's going to dishonor the Lord. I know this is wrong. That's not even a prayer request. That's, that's a no-brainer, guys. The love of God should compel you to walk in obedience, but the fear of God should keep you from making a foolish decision like that. And I have a hard time with maybe some of you in this room that you can consistently go against what God says and there's no conviction of sin in your life. I don't know. I mean, I can only speak for myself. Anytime I've messed up, and I've messed up my fair share. Anytime I've messed up, it seems like the Holy Spirit's got a size 15 that he implants in my hind parts. And he's drawing me back to himself. And this idea that I can live in sin and there's no conviction and I'm not, it didn't bother me, I don't know any other way to say it, but I question whether or not you've got the Spirit of God living inside of you. You say, well, you're judging me. I'm just telling you what the Word says. That when the Spirit of God lives inside of you, that, the, that there should be some fruit that bears up in your life. You've got to know Him personally. Number two, know yourself correctly. Probably the most well-known verse. Well, it's all, I know it's the most well-known verse. In the book of Proverbs, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. But notice what it says. Don't lean on your own understanding. Look in verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. There's multiple places. In the, in the book of Proverbs, multiple places it says this, and it, says, it repeats it verbatim. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. You go all the way back to the the beginning, Adam and Eve, when Satan tempted them in the garden, they did what was right in their own eyes. They turned away from what God had said and it ended in death. Maybe you remember this from last week, but the Bible speaks of a wisdom that is from above and the Bible speaks of a wisdom that is on earth. There are a lot of situations that you'll go through in life that you'll seek the wisdom of man more than you'll seek the wisdom of God. Think about this. The world says that you should live together before you're married. You know, a, a test run. Let's, let's, see if, let's see if we're going to be compatible. That's the wisdom of the world. But the wisdom of God says you better not do that. And by the way, statistics bear it out. Those who live together before marriage are more likely to get divorced than those who wait. The wisdom of the world says everything you make, that's yours. You use it for your own purposes. You use it for your own glory. You buy whatever you want with your money. You made it and you earned it. The wisdom of God says you take the first 10% of everything that you get and you bring it into the what the Old Testament calls the storehouse. You bring it into the church. And by the way, I, I'm, I've read it in multiple places. Some of the happiest people on the face of the planet are those who give generously. Those who have, who have understood that, that finances are not everything to them. That, that's the wisdom that God gives you. And he says, hey, if you walk in wisdom, if, you don't, if you're not wise in your own eyes... You can be a blessed person. Here's one. Here's what the wisdom of the world says. Y'all heard something like this. Uh, well, brother, just uh, just follow your heart. You know, you got a decision to make. Hey, Charlie, just follow your heart, man. Do what you, do what feels right. Bless God. Do y'all know where I'd be if I followed my heart in every situation? Do you know where you would be if you followed your heart in every situation? You know, what, you know what Jeremiah said is, is quoted in Romans? 
It says that your heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who could understand this thing? Man, for heaven's sake, no, don't follow your heart. You know when you should follow your heart? When you're seeking to honor God with everything that you have. And if you're seeking to honor God with everything that you have, uh, then you have my permission. Follow your heart. But other than that, don't follow your heart. Know yourself correctly. When Leanne and I were dating, I knew myself that I was prone to fall into sexual sin. You know what we did? We set boundaries up. We never alone in the same house by ourselves. Why? Because I knew myself. Set boundaries. Some of you have a problem with uh, images you look at on the computer. I, I promise you, you can break it. You say, well, brother, you just don't know how hard that is for me. I guarantee you, if your mom or daddy was sitting right beside you, you wouldn't look at it. You set boundaries. Ask God to change your heart. Know yourself correctly. You want to walk in wisdom. You want to be trained. Know yourself correctly. I know, I know what time it is. Really quickly, last thing. Handle adversity properly. Now, skip down to verse 11. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and be weary of his reproof, his discipline, his correction. Why? Because God reproves him whom he loved as a father, the son, and whom he delights. Jesus had basically said the same thing in, in John chapter 15. It, I know it seems backward that God in his love would allow adversity in our life, but that's exactly what he does because it is in those moments of adversity that he is both revealing and shaping our character. I've recently started reading a book by the name of, uh, by the author of Andy Andrews. Anybody ever heard of Andy Andrews in this room? Nobody? Uh, I never heard of him either uh, until recently. Andy Andrews, when he was 19 years old, within a period of months, Junior, he lost both his mother and his father. Uh, several, uh, within, within a year, he was homeless, sleeping under a bridge out in, in, a, in the state of Alabama. One day, a guy comes up to him, hey, son, I don't know how you got here, but I know what can get you out of here. And he handed him a library card. Andy Andrews took that library card and would go down to the, the library, and within two years, he had read almost 300 biographies of some of the great men and women in history. He, he didn't necessarily look for those who were very uh, financially successful. He looked for those who had made a difference in, in their day and time. And he read over almost 300 biographies of these great men and women who, have, who had lived through the centuries. And Andy Andrews used his moment of adversity and became a great man. He's had the opportunity to speak into the life of four different United States presidents in the area of leadership. God took a man who was homeless and so uses him that he speaks into the life of the most powerful man in the world. Adversity is going to come into your life and it is how you respond to that adversity that will determine the depth of your walk with Christ. You know how we like to handle adversity? 
Lord, please get me out of this mess. Just be, I've done it. Lord, I don't like it. I don't like this heat. I don't like this difficulty. Lord, get me out. But what if the Father is trying to get your attention in the middle of that mess? You see, in times of adversity, here's a great statement. In times of adversity, you don't have a problem to deal with. You have a choice to make. Some of you need to realize that. It's not a problem. It's a choice that you need to make. Are you going to allow this adversity to defeat you and define you? Or are you going to rise up and allow the Spirit of God to so work in you and to teach you and shape you and mold you into the person that God knows and wants you to be? Some of you, I mentioned this earlier, living in sin. You have no remorse for your sin at all. There's no conviction of your sin at all. Why? You notice what this text says? Donnie Hunt pointed this out uh, yesterday. You know who the Lord disciplines? His son. You ever seen your child get in trouble in the midst of a, of a bunch of other kids? And every, every child got in trouble if you saw your child. And you take your child and you discipline your child. And Johnny Sutton said that happened one time. And his daughter came out of the bathroom and she was crying, Daddy, I wasn't the only one. They all need discipline. Why didn't he discipline them? Not his child. Some of you have no, no, no adversity, no, no remorse, no conviction of sin. Not his child. Not the only person who got to respond to this adversity. I'll close with this. You know, you go, you go to John 1. Peter is uh, called to follow Christ there. In John 1, Jesus said to Peter, right now you're Simon. There's coming a day you're going to be Cephas. You're going to be Peter. It means rock. You're going to be the foundation of the church. You know what was happening? Jesus saw Peter for who he was, but he also saw him for who he could be. It didn't happen overnight. Peter went through, went through some adversity. He had, to, he had to walk on water and take his eyes off of Jesus and sink. He had to be sifted by, the, by Satan, what Luke said. He had to deny Jesus three times when Jesus was arrested. He had to see the miracle. He had to cut off the guard's ear. He had to be taught. Can you imagine Peter hadn't responded right to his adversity? I'm going to close with a statement. This is good. I can't take credit for it. I've got it from my head. God loves each and every one of you right where you are. You hear me? He loves each and every one of you right where you are. But he loves you too much. get you where he needs you to be, come to your person. But if you'll hold on in the midst of the fire, God's going to do a great work. Father, Lord, break every addiction, break every chain, break everything that is hindering your people following you faithfully. 
Lord, I pray in Jesus' name if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that's never experienced your grace and your mercy personally, Lord. I don't, Lord, I, I don't care if they've signed a card. I don't even care if they've been baptized. I don't even care if they're a Sunday school teacher, Lord. If today, Lord, you're preaching and you're speaking and preaching to their heart that they need to come, Lord, I pray. And I'm asking, Father, that they would respond. Lord, I pray that you'd break every form of pride right now. Lord, I believe you're speaking. And Lord, Lord, I don't know any other way to say it than, Lord, to break this spirit of pride that's going to keep people in living in a defeated state. Lord, you desire to use. You desire us to be the people that you call us to be. Lord, I pray that, Lord, we would be those people. Father, this is your time. Lord, use it for your glory. It's in Jesus' name.